click on the recorder here. This is, uh, what is this? November 8th, right? And we are yep. still in Revelation 20. Eventually, <laughs> hopefully next week, we'll actually get out of Revelation 20. And the next two chapters, 21 and 22, I think will go by fairly uh uh, fairly quickly, but uh, th this uh, this particular chapter takes a little bit of explanation, so uh, it, it it does take a little while to get through. All right, where's Rice? Uh, Has she called you? <laughs> uh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard from Roshni, <laughs> and I don't. Did she come in last week? I don't. I don't remember. I think she no, she had to work or something. She's that's I just that's wondered. Right. She's texted me a couple times and I haven't had a chance. It's been one of those busy weeks, but anyhow, I thought she may tune in yet. Go ahead. Okay, Go ahead. good. Let me interrupt you. Well, well and, and we'll give her the that's right. We'll give her the the link anyway. Uh usually post that in uh yes. in the iMessage. And Ann, we're missing Ann this week as well. Yeah. So we'll uh, make sure that she gets the yeah, and I was Sandra just going to say too. that. Yeah. Link as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's pick up. We were talking about the millennial kingdom. And uh, from Revelation 20, we actually don't get a lot of information about it. Uh, so we have to kind of go back to Ezekiel and Daniel and a little bit of Isaiah to get a sense of what's going on. And, and Dr. John Walvard, now in heaven with the Lord, but uh, a great uh, expert on, on eschatological studies, uh, he writes this, and I'm going to read a, a little bit of his uh, commentary here because I think he has some good insights. He says, in keeping with, again, talking about the, uh, the characteristics of the millennial kingdom, Jesus's 1,000 rule, your rule in keeping with righteousness and peace, there will be universal joy as stated in Isaiah two, three through four. And here's the quote with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations, what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. And he says, in keeping with these predictions, the power of the Holy Spirit will work in the millennial scene. Saints in the millennium will be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, even as they are in the present age. The millennial kingdom will manifest a high level of spiritual life unequaled in any previous dispensation. And remember, the reason uh, for this is because that Satan at this point, remember, he's he is uh, tied up and chained, and, and he is in solitary confinement in the abyss, in the bottomless pit. And so he has zero influence over anyone or over the earth. He has zero influence anywhere during this millennial period. Now, as we're going to see, if we make it to the end uh, of, of part of the chapter today, we'll see that he gets loosed. He is loosed by God for some unknown reason that really God only knows at the end of the millennial period. But for now, his deception is, is, is not present. And so there's this, this universal joy and a great high degree of, of spirituality. Now, people still have a choice whether to follow Christ or not. But what we see is the lack of the deceptions uh, that consistently bombard us as, as they do now. So this is one of the, the trademarks, the hallmarks of, of the millennial kingdom is that Satan's influence is, is not there. Now, what's interesting to me is there apparently will be a temple in the millennial kingdom. And... Uh, so let's uh, let, let's check in with Dr. Uh, Walverd uh, about that. Uh, hi, Ann. Good to see hi. you. Welcome, welcome I'm in. Sorry, Somebody that's all right. We me with the problem, and <laughs> well, that's that's glad you got to handle it. That's good. We Hell, have just gotten through the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you know, I, we were talking. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. 
Okay. Uh, we were talking tonight. about the fact in the in the millennial kingdom, uh, because Satan is chained up in the abyss and the bottomless pit, he has no influence over the earth during those 1,000 years. So it's a time of joy and, and high degree of spirituality. And uh, as we move now into looking at more of, of what the millennial kingdom contains, we go into Ezekiel. And Dr. John Walverd makes the observation that there apparently will be a temple in the millennial kingdom. And it's uh, referred to in Ezekiel 40, um, 1 through 46, I believe. The millennial temple is described as a huge building rich in spiritual meaning. The spiritual significance of the millennial temple will differ from the importance of the temple that was uh, constructed during uh, the Mosaic Law, but it will provide means of worship of God, including animal sacrifices. Now watch this very carefully in Walvert's exp explanation. The sacrifices of animals here is not the same or for the same reasons as it was under the Mosaic Law. So here we go. Though animal sacrifices in themselves do not provide any relief from sin, as was true in the Old Testament, millennial sacrifices will look back to the cross, even as sacrifices in the Mosaic period looked forward to the cross. Though some have opposed the idea of animal sacrifices in the millennium, on the ground that Christ's sacrifice was sufficient, there does not seem to be any other suitable explanation of the details of the millennial kingdom and the details of the sacrificial system in the millennial kingdom as provided in Ezekiel. During the present age, the Lord's Supper is the scriptural reminder of the sacrifice of Christ. So, what he's saying is when we get into the millennial kingdom, we will no longer observe communion because Jesus is with us. Okay. So there's no reason to go back and, and remember uh, his sacrifice and his resurrection because he is present with us. So that need is now removed. The purpose of the, the sacrifices that are enumerated in Ezekiel seems to be for people to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. It replaces communion, if I could put it that way. Uh, there's no, again, we're searching for reasons why there would be any animal sacrifices at all in the temple. And I, I side with those commentators that say, well, about the only reason we can think of is that we're remembering through sacrifices in the temple, the sacrifice that Christ, who is present with us, made for us. We don't do communion anymore. We don't do the blood, uh, you know, the, 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 the cup as a reminder of the blood, nor the bread as the reminder of, of his physical sacrifice because he's, he's with us. But the animal sacrifices uh, kind of point back to uh, the, the, uh, the crucifixion and, re and resurrection of Christ. It's, it's not something I don't think we need to get wrapped around the axle over. But it's an interesting point. It's one of those questions. Why are animal sacrifices mentioned? And uh, I would side with those that, that would say this is probably the, the best explanation of that. Any comments on that? Okay. All right, next, uh, Dr. Walverd notes that the social and economic characteristics of the millennial kingdom are also enumerated. He writes this, the millennium will also provide a high level of social and economic characteristics for the entire earth. Probably the majority of those living in the millennium will be saved. Only saved people will enter the millennium and those born during the thousand years of Christ's reign will of course, need to receive Christ as Savior and be born again. 
And remember, there are people who have survived the tribulation in other parts of the world as we enter the millennial kingdom. They and only they will procreate. Those of us who have died before the millennium, uh, we will have uh, new bodies uh, as, as Christ brings us back and, and such. But uh, those who are on earth at the time, they're going to continue in their earthly bodies and they will continue to be allowed to procreate. And so during those thousand years, people are going to start to live longer, but also there's going to be some new generations born and they will still need to receive Christ. And it'll be kind of a, you know, a lot easier because the enemy isn't there pushing against it, but there is still uh, the, the freedom to choose Christ or not. And as we'll mention a little bit later on today, if we get to it, at the time Satan is released, deceptions Mike, are going to come around again. Yes. Excuse me. I'm going to leave because I'm only catching every fourth word. I don't know. I'll come back in. I think I have oh, okay. a bad connection. I'm, I'm only catching a little of what you're saying. But let, Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, I don't want to interrupt you. Thank you. No, no, no. That's fine. Are, are the rest of you hearing me okay, or, or is it? Yeah. Okay. Although All right. Maybe her connection. I have. I'm having the same. I'm having the same situation. I'm in. Yeah, I have the same. Do you hear okay, Ann? I'm hearing good. I, I'm not. It's like it was last time. Every third or fourth word. <laughs> so okay. I don't know if it's um, a connection. I mean, I can try and log I'm hearing out. You. Yeah. So. You I'm might. You just fine. Yeah, I think it depends on. The individual internet connection yeah. unfortunately yeah, i think so um i think our yeah. broadband is not good on sunday afternoons <laughs> well that's an issue because well it's because so many congregations are online yeah i've on just Sundays, noticed that yeah. and i can see yeah. i mean i have i have yeah so i'll just keep listening though if i okay lose yeah too you're much, can you go out and come back in, Brenda? I don't think it'll help because it's been an ongoing situation. I think it's my broadband. Yeah. And uh, if I lose too much, I'll just listen to the recording. Okay. You know? Yeah, that, so, that's fine. Your signal, Brenda, because I'm, I'm watching your signal strength here, is yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but but it may be that your Wi-Fi right just now isn't strong good. enough. I can see right now mine's good on my phone too. So we'll I'll just I'll just deal. Not okay. Problem. All right. Okay. And I think uh I think Lee's back in. So <laughs> yeah. Uh all right. And and again, if if you need to drop out, we understand. And and again, I will post the link so you can catch the rest of the uh the rest of it if if you would like to. Okay, so um those uh, born during the thousand years of Christ's reign, according to Dr. Walvard, will, of course, need to receive Christ and Savior as Savior and be born again as well. And he says, because there is such universal knowledge of Christ and because Satan is bound and cannot oppose him, it would seem that the great majority of those who live in the millennial kingdom will be saved, even though... At the end of the millennium, there will be a rebellion on the part of those who are not actually saved yet. The millennial kingdom will also be a time of great prosperity, and there will be no poor people or people suffering from a lack of economic needs. That's, that, that's an amazing thing. The curse on the ground pronounced after Adam's sin will be lifted. So remember, the earth was cursed along with Adam and Eve. That's going to be lifted during the millennial period. And even the, the desert will produce abundant crops. It will be a time of, of general prosperity for the entire earth. And he, go on, he goes on to say, in the millennial kingdom, each of the 12 tribes of Israel will have its designated portion of the promised land as indicated in Ezekiel 48. I'm not going to go <coughs> into that right now, but 
if you'd like to check back during the week, uh, Ezekiel 48, that's enumerated there. Uh, Walbert goes on to say, one of the outstanding features of the millennium is that there will be no war. Hmm. Accordingly, expenditures necessary to support a military branch of the government will be turned into improvement of the social and economic life in the millennium. Now, remember, there will still be governmental structures, but Jesus is over all of it. All right. So, uh, and again, as we talked about last week, if the United States of America in North America or Canada or uh, in, uh, Mexico and Central America, the South America countries, et cetera, et cetera. If they're still existing in some form, they will have a governmental structure, but it will be set up under Jesus Christ and he will be king of all. And one of the hallmarks of this, there will be no wars during this time. So there's no reason to spend money on on, uh, on the military. Contributing to peaceful circumstances, there will be universal justice. As stated in Isaiah 11:4, and this is a quote, with righteousness, he, Jesus, will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. The earth, which was cursed following Adam's sin, will now bring forth abundantly as stated in Isaiah 35, 1 through 2, it says the desert and the parched land will be glad. Though the uh, wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, a plant, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of uh, Carmel, and that's not, not our Car Carmel and California, but the blessing of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. There will be abundant rainfall. In general, there will be prosperity under the ideal government of Christ. Now, what about sickness? What happens there? Here's uh, I want to say Walters. the farmers will like that. The farmers will love the millennium. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So here's Dr. Walvert on, on uh, sickness. He says, apparently, sickness will be less prevalent in the millennium than in any previous dispensation. Remember, our definition of dispensation is not specifically a time frame but an age where resources are given by God to his people. So he's talking about, you know, the, the church dispensation, uh, the age of, of the time of, of Moses, when uh, the, the nation of Israel was given certain resources and promises and covenants, and what did they do with that? So a dispensation is describing the stewardship of God's resources that are given to his people at any different, at any uh, given uh, uh, time period. So apparently the sickness will be not as prevalent and physical difficulties will be healed. I like that one. That that's <laughs> encouraging. Even those, <laughs> And then this hits home uh, over the past couple of weeks. Even those who are lame will be healed, and those who are dumb will be able to speak. And, and dumb as in not able to speak, not referring <laughs> to intelligence. Just want to make that clarification. You want to go back and check that. That's in Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. Uh, in general, longevity will characterize the human race. For a person who dies at the age of 100 will be considered a child. And the verse there to look at is Isaiah 65, 20. Is right, that a uh, child physically or a child mentally or emotionally? <laughs> uh, I think it's married up for all three. Look, I'm still, <laughs> still considered a child. <laughs> I, I gotcha. <laughs> All right. So he goes on to say, um, 
Because the earth's population has been decimated by the events of the Great Tribulation, remember <laughs> everything that we've been reading uh, during Revelation, especially during the Tribulation period, the earth has taken a hit. Remember that. Those in the millennium will witness a large increase in the birth rate. In the book of Jeremiah, the Lord says, from them will come songs of thanksgiving, and they will not be decreased. I will bring them honor, and they will not be disdained. Their children will be as in the days of old, and their community will be established before me. I will punish all who oppress them. And uh, Walbert says, the millennium will be a golden age uh, in a, to a far greater extent than uh, extent than any previous dispensation. Mike, excuse then, me. Yes. Go who ahead. is who is them? Uh, these are the inhabitants. People. Yeah, these are no. These are the inhabitants of the millennial period. Okay. okay. Those those who have survived the tribulation and entered the millennium with their earth bodies, mm -hmm. and who procreate, and then. Those who procreate after being procreated, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so probably children and children's children. Now, because, you know, there's such a uh, age will, will last so long. And we don't know if, if it's like Methuselah, you know, uh, sure. we don't exactly know. But, you know, it's likely that to live 100 years is would, would be nothing. And, so, and so would that mean life. that a child at a hundred could have a baby? A Looks child like it. at a hundred. That sentence does not fit. I, I don't even want a child at sixty-four. <laughs> no. done that. I love no. my children, but I don't want to start over again. But again, uh, you know, the 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 forces of the enemy will not be there. So uh, maybe a lot of those. I mean, I, I guess you still have to change diapers and all that, but I don't know. <laughs> That's not mentioned anywhere here, and I'm not going there. No. All right. <laughs> so another thought uh, from Dr. Walvard, the description and role of Jerusalem is interesting in the millennial kingdom. He says, in the millennium, Jerusalem will be exalted as a city and raised topographically above the surrounding land so it's physically like it is now remember jerusalem is at a high point it's at a it's at a at least what 1500 feet above the rest of the topography according to zechariah 14:10 the whole land from uh, uh, jeba to ramon South of Jerusalem will become the Arabah, but Jerusalem will be raised up and remain in its place from the Benjamin gate to the side of the first gate to the corner gate and from the tower of, and my left contact is blurring, Hananel, here it is, uh, to the royal wine, pre uh, wine presses. Jerusalem will be greatly enlarged, but will include some of the old landmarks, such as the Benjamin Gate, as well as other gates as well. So uh, Jerusalem will be active as a city. It is not the new Jerusalem yet. It is not the one that is going to descend from heaven, but uh, Jerusalem itself uh, will be restored to the point where it's recognizable and even some of the old landmarks uh, will still be there, and it'll be uh, a city on a hill, as as it is today. All right, and and those sacrifices that we talked about will be taking place in the temple in Jerusalem. I want to switch uh, to another great theologian that I've I've become aware of recently, and I, I really like his his thoughts, Dr. Paul Benware. I've mentioned him before. He adds two summary points about the characteristics of the millennial kingdom. One, the curse that was placed on creation at the time of the fall of man will be lifted. We've mentioned that before. So the curse on the land 
will be lifted. And that means the earth is going to start to grow again. It's going to uh, start to bloom again. Even in the deserts, there will be uh, plant life coming back other than cacti, uh, I assume. And then sickness and deformity will end. So there will be uh, a, a great uh, reduction in, in sickness and, and uh, deformities and uh, some of the uh, congenital diseases that we have today apparently will, will not exist during the, the millennial kingdom. Now, before we leave uh, the millennial kingdom, and I, I want to kind of conclude our, our study of what it may look like with this, I want to offer a little surprise about the millennial kingdom through a song that that we all know and i'm going to go to uh dr uh, david uh, jeremiah for this and this is uh, this may be uh, a tad surprising i'm going to find my reading glasses here to make sure i do this correctly all right this is from Dr. David Jeremiah. Isaac Watts, you know the song, uh, the author and, and pastor Isaac Watts, I'm sure you're familiar with the name, began writing poems when he was seven. And after his college years, he began writing hymns. Isaac lived in a time when hymns were frowned upon. Isn't that interesting? For many British believers only sang the Psalms in church singing hymns was considered to be radical. And I remember a lot of the, the hymns, the, the, the old hymns that we sing today were actually bar songs that were uh, borrowed and, and uh, theological words were, were put on the bar songs, mostly because they were songs that you could sing. A lot, of, a lot of the newer songs, although I like them, they're very difficult to sing, although I don't sing well anyway. But uh, anyway, so getting back to uh, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, he said, but Isaac Watts wrote hymns anyway, and he is remembered today as the father of English hymnody, the father of hymns, in other words. He also served as a pastor in London and wrote textbooks on logic used by the major universities of his day. He was small in size, eccentric in habit, and great of heart. Even now, more than 200 years later, many of his hymns were widely sung, including a great hymn. And this hymn describes what we're reading about in Revelation. Anybody suspecting what that hymn is yet? Okay. I think I... I know I, I knew this, but I don't remember. <laughs> take take a guess, Brenda. You want to take a I, guess? I, no, I can't remember. <laughs> no, okay. Are, are you ready? Are your seat belts buckled? Yep. Joy to the world. Oh my goodness, that's right. <laughs> was never was a, say, Christmas a Christmas hymn. <laughs> it was not a Christmas song. It was a song about revelation. In fact, wow. uh, he says Isaac Watts would be chagrined to know that Joy to the World is sung today as a Christmas carol That's because he wasn't thinking of the birth of Christ when he wrote it, but of our Lord's return and the golden age that would follow the second coming. This hymn first appeared in 1719 in a hymn book in which wow. Watts took many of the biblical psalms and paraphrased them through the eyes of the New Testament. Joy to the World is based on Isaac Watts' interpretation of Psalm 98, and the words don't refer to the birth of Christ at all. Huh. And uh, so Dr. Jeremiah says, let's put it to the test, review the words, and see if you can determine what they are really about. All right, so I'm not going to sing it because all of you would hang up on me, but let's let me read the stanzas of Joy to the World and think of it in terms of what we've been reading in Revelation and think of it in terms of the return of Jesus Christ, the second coming. Are you ready? All right. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
let earth receive her king and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing joy to the earth the savior reigns apply to the millennium let men their songs employ while fields and floods rocks and hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy no more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. The millennial period. He comes to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. Remember, the curse now is, is being removed. It's last stand-up. He rules the world with truce, truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. Isn't that fascinating? Wow. Yeah. And I was just reading Psalm 98 along with that, and I can see where that was his inspiration too. Wow, that's amazing. Can you, uh, can you read a little bit of that for us, Brenda? Psalm 98? <clears throat> sure. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm, holy arm have gained him the victory. Um, I'll go down to verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp. And at the end, on verse 9, he says, For he is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the people's with equity so i can see how he sort of put that all together wow. exactly and if you think i mean 1719 wow that that hymn's been around since 1719 <clears throat> and it wasn't until later that it was a made christmas a christmas carol? carol when did that become, you know do we know when it became a christmas I, carol i don't know that and that would be interesting to find out uh, i don't know that yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let me give you uh, Dr. Jeremiah's final comments on this. Did those things, and he's talking about the lyrics here to uh, Joy to the World. Did those things happen when Jesus came the first time to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and clothes and placed in a manger? Did the earth receive her king? Nope. Was nature transformed Fields and floods, rocks and hills and plains? Nope. Did thorns stop infesting the ground? Was the curse lifted? Did sin and sorrow cease? And does Christ currently rule the world with grace and truth? No. Do the nations of the world acknowledge his righteousness and wonders of his love? So he concludes by saying these statements do reflect biblical promises, but they're not about the first coming of Christ. They reference his second coming and the glorious millennium that will occur when he returns. I don't know about you. I will never sing joy to the world again with the <laughs> yeah. same. To me, it's a deeper to me. I will have more joy in singing it because I know it goes beyond a Christmas carol. We're talking about Jesus coming back and setting things right in the millennial kingdom. And I don't know about you, but that added meeting just adds a, a deeper sense of, of, of the awe of singing that carol. So Regardless of how you react to it, I, I don't think we'll, any of us will probably ever sing Joy to the World uh, in the same way again. Any, uh, any reactions, any comments to that before we uh, move on? Okay. Now, before we see what happens uh, at the end of the millennium, here's a great summary of the nature of the millennium, again, from Dr. David Jeremiah. He says that the millennial kingdom will be marked by five specific features, things we can look forward to. And this is primarily a review. We've heard these from the other commentators as well. One, there will be peace. Two, there will be prosperity. Three, there will be 
purity. Four, there will be pro prolonged life. And five, there will be personal joy. I think that's a pretty cool thing to look forward to. And, and we'll witness it. Um, whether we'll witness it as in our natural bodies, because I, I, I doubt we will, because we'll be taken up, if we're pre-tribbers anyway, we'll be taken up during the parousia, during the, uh, the rapture. But we'll we'll see it uh, go down anyway, and uh, it'll it'll just it'll be an amazing thing. Uh, finally, some thoughts from Doctor Dwight Dwight Doctor Dwight Pentecost. Many of you may be uh, familiar with his writings. He's and, and and this is about a reminder of who is going to participate in the millennial kingdom. Before we leave this, let's. I want to go back and just remind us who's going to be participating in this. This is from Dr. Uh, Dwight Pentecost. So believing Gentiles, Israel, and the resurrected and raptured believers, all of whom have glorified bodies, will occupy the earth. It should be noted, however, that believers with glorified bodies will not be reaped producing there will be no marriage after this life which is a that is a tough thing for me um and, and it speaks to what what kind of a different we're, we're going to have not only glorified bodies but glorified minds and and we're just going to be in a different space and and dimension uh, I can't imagine not not being you know married to Lori forever and ever, but that's not the nature of of the eternal of the eternal. You know, Pastor Mike, I, I was why. I was Go thinking ahead. earlier that, um, and this speaks to it. So the people that um, are here that have their bodies, have their regular bodies, they will be married and have children. I'm assuming they're going to be married <laughs> if they're having children. <laughs> In the millennial kingdom, they, they will to. be married. Yes. <laughs> Not that they have to, but. Uh, <laughs> and then there will be this other quote race. It'd be like we're a different race because <laughs> we won't be married or have children and Correct. we'll have a totally different kind of body it'd be sort of like aliens showing up on earth but aren't we supposed to recognize one another uh, uh yes yes but yes. still uh if you're not married, we'll just have a different body we'll, we'll have a glorified body yeah, yeah glorified when, body. and remember what glorified body means glorified means like christ yeah. Uh, so it'll be with, we'll be without imperfections. Yeah. I'm up for that. I'm up for uh, that. Oh. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah. Amen. All those but in I'm favor say aye. No, but the thing is, we're going to be living with people that have imperfections. That's correct. And, and the how interesting I see thing it is if aliens showed up here on Earth. Yes. I mean, this is my, how the picture I get. It's because yeah. we're going to be yes. different than the other people. Yes. And they're going to be able to notice it. Uh, well. oh. Oh. And they will know the difference. Yes. They will know the difference. And some, and, 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 and for some reason, God doesn't explain it to us, but somehow we will all be able to exist together and there will be a recognition of how we're dif different not in terms of being holier than thou. Yeah. But I think, you know, with, with the enemy in chains at the moment and without his deceptions, it'll be clear to us why we're all different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and, and we'll be okay with there it. There is now. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is correct. We are not, we don't have unity of people that look just like us. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> I've already yeah. I experienced that in the last phone call. 
Okay. <laughs> I realized yeah. one of my best friends and I are no longer united. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. I then, so it won't be anything like that. Now that to me is awesome to be able to two yeah. different type. I mean, they're not going to have a glorified body and we are, we're going to live together. Now yes. we probably have no trouble living with them, but they may have trouble living with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, probably not until Satan is released. Yeah. That huh. is, yeah. Then, huh. then. Yeah. No It'll pun intended. Like all now. hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah. 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 All hell breaks loose. Yeah. Um, all right, let me let me go on again uh, from Sorry, we got a few minutes you. left. No, 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 no. I Don't thought... never apologize. Jump right on in. That's good. All right, children born oh. during the millennial kingdom. This is interesting from from Penteco uh, Dwight Pentecost. <clears throat> children born during the millennial kingdom will have the responsibility of faith in Christ as all people of past ages have. Faith in Christ since his coming, faith in God before. Unfortunately, not all of the children that are born during the millennial kingdom will come to faith in Christ. Those who do not will be led astray by Satan into rebellion against God at the end of the millennial kingdom when Satan is let loose for a short time. Well, that's but that was isn't that kind of like what has already gone on? Your many, many, many uh, millennial ago when Lucifer uh, took a third of the angels. Yes, but remember, there is this universal joy and high spirituality during the millennial kingdom, but it is not eternity. It is not the new heaven and the new earth, new heavens and the new earth yet. And so what, what, what happens is at that end of the millennial kingdom, when Satan is let loose again, these children will experience what humanity has been experiencing since the yeah. fall of the Garden of Eden. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. They will experience the deceptions, and many of them will re rebel against uh, Jesus Christ. And we don't have an explanation as to why God engineered it that way. I don't know. And I haven't found any acceptable, well, not acceptable, I haven't found any explanation of that yet, why God allows that other than it's one of those imponderables that he let Satan loose for a final hurrah. We don't know exactly. Um, well, there are theories on how long that lasts, but Pastor uh, Mike, there's no definitive thing. Yes, Ann. I was reading a little bit earlier uh, the the page on the internet. It's called Endearing Word. It's a commentary. I mm -hmm. they have all sorts of different people on there. Anyway, they were talking about that. Um, it was sort of almost like he was uh, he's given them a chance to see if they would um, uh, follow the Lord because they had faith in the Lord or um, if it was just the because of the environment you know, when they, when it that, gets, yeah. you know, whenever, if things are going good, I mean, it's going to be easy for us to, it's easy for us to follow the Lord when everything is going good. Right. Mm -hmm. But if Satan starts storming us, we could be led astray. I mean, yes. here now. S and S he, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's this person and i can't remember who it was sort of talk like uh that's the plan to sort of sift out the ones that um 
aren't really because with they they're going. You said they're all going to have a will. Yes, and that I mean, I you think see that's people even now all the yeah. time. I mean, let's say, okay, let's say I decide to go the way of the world after I've experienced all this goodness, right? You know, and so then he sees my true heart. Um, mm -hmm. Although not now, I'm already saved, but you know, uh, he talks I think about that's a good train of it thought. also talked like about it. environment. Some people think that, or they'll say, well, you know what? I was born to this family that abused me. Why wouldn't I be like this? And so just because the environment's bad doesn't mean you can't be good. And just because you live in a good environment doesn't mean you'll follow the Lord. So that's that was my right. take on what that said, which was- uh, yeah. And and, and I'm following that train of thought, Anne, and I think it's logical. Uh, if God allows free will during the millennium, then a just God needs to allow the exercise of that free will. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. So that that's logical. I yeah, uh, I yeah. can I can get behind that. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I you know, uh, you know, you probably have run across families that a son go, goes his own way, even if he's lived in a good home. Right. And um, you wonder, why would he, you know, uh, so, uh, yeah, we have our own will. And so uh, I thought it was, I just thought it was interesting. I was, I'm really interested in... <clears throat> what it'll be like in the millennium. And um, <clears throat> so I started searching through the internet to find Good. some of that out. Because it, I've heard, I know about the new heaven and new earth, we're all gonna be there and all everything's gonna be good. And But when you start telling me there'll be some people there that aren't believers and some won't have a body like mine, I think, oh, this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how, how much study have we, I, I mean, I know over, I mean, I grew up in the church. I've never studied the millennium more than when we have during our Well, our I look for books on millennium and there's not too many. And I, Randy Alcorn yeah. doesn't really address it. He talks about right. the new heaven and new earth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think part of that is because the millennium, that what we know about the millennium, we're piecing together yeah, yeah. from the, primarily the Old Testament. And that takes a lot of time and energy. And I think if you're writing a book about it, it's probably pretty risky. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm going to, um, I'm not cutting off the conversation. I'm, I'm just saying That's okay. stop there for now. Uh, we're almost at, at three o'clock next. We're going to finish next week. I think we can finish chapter 20, uh, because what happens is pretty straightforward from this point. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, the final battle. We're going to look at the white throne judgment, which we've already talked about a little bit when we discussed all the different judgments. And so I think we can uh, next week get through Revelation 20. And then in the next week, probably another two or three weeks, Revelation, uh, and I know Lee will be happy about this, right? <laughs> Revelation, tw <laughs> Revelation no, 21 and 22. <laughs> I find it right. very interesting, Mike. I just it needed some good news this week, but I got it. <laughs> well, and, and listen, uh, Revelation 21, 22. Good news is a coming. Absolutely. Uh -huh. I know. <laughs> any, uh, <laughs> any final thoughts uh, for today? Like, thanks for spoiling joy to the world for me. Or <laughs> no, that's very interesting, Mike. That was really informative. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know, we sing that every Christmas a lot. E exactly. And, and again, for me, I don't know how it strikes you. For me, it, it carries 
a far deeper oh, yes. meaning now. And so next time I sing mm -hmm. it, I'm going to be going, whoa, you know, this mm -hmm. is, yeah, this is talking about the return of Christ and yeah. his rule on earth. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not much of a singer, but I'll probably sing it with more gusto now because of that. <laughs> it makes me think of you and your horn. I always loved to hear you play your horn and you would play it around Christmas. Do you ever miss the in-person me in -person meetings, Mike? Yeah, I, I do. And, and John and I were talking about that <clears throat> earlier uh, before all of you uh, logged on. You know, the, and again, right now it's with, with the restrictions, the way they are for mm -hmm. tiny little congregations like ours, it's just it, prohibitive. It's, it's really impossible. It's prohibitive, but I do look forward to the day when we can meet again, but I'm, I may do the horn thing online. I'm, I'm thinking about a way to do that. Yes. And, do the horn thing online. I would like online. to share it either that or trumpet, but probably horn. Uh, what really, uh, motivated me was my new dentist uh and i used to play horn together oh uh, wow. Oh, wow yeah dr <laughs> uh tony albertoni and uh he he had just started playing horn when we were playing together and he he has a far higher esteem of me as a horn player than i do but you know <laughs> well you do pretty well anyway. i think it's beautiful so i'm going to I'm going to work something up. Uh, I doubt we're going to be back together until maybe sometime in 2021. Uh, but I, I miss that. You know, I miss that, you know, fellowship uh, directly. I think in the future, and this is, I'm going to let all of you drive this. We'll, we'll talk about this later when we, when we get closer to thinking that we can meet all together without having masks on. Um, when hopefully the virus is, is at a level where we need not worry about it. Um, we, we may, you may still want to do the, uh, the zoom thing and do a mix, you know, maybe we meet once or whatever times a month and, and Zoom everyone anyway, even when we're in the building. I know in the morning church, they're requesting when we get back there uh, that I at least provide an audio feed uh, through Zoom so that people who live away or can't come to the actual facility can listen in. Uh, I think people I'm, will be... Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't. Yeah, no, didn't I'm not. I'm not opposed to doing that, but I, I, I will rely upon your collective input on that when we get there. So maybe be thinking about that and praying about that. We probably have a year before that'll come to reality. I sure miss being in person. I went to an outdoor at Cross Point, which I felt very safe, and it was wonderful just to be in the presence of other people and a minister. Yeah. But yeah. uh, and and still, I think it's limited now. They're going indoors. Isn't it limited to 100 people or something? I don't know. I, yeah. I'm not quite comfortable yet with indoors, but I sure miss. I think people will be much more appreciative. Uh, I don't know what you think, Mike, but I think we'll all be so grateful for a church to attend. I hear that over and over that what we took for granted, we won't do that anymore. Yes, and I think if we're smart as the church in America, and there is, you know, there's not one unified church in America. Understand right. that. But I'm saying the body of believers in America, right. we would be very smart to be praying about what God wants us to learn from this and look to the future. He's also the God of technology. And there may be things that he's mm -hmm. asking us to learn right now that we may be missing and that going forward, it may be a hybrid that prepares us for a future that we can't even conceive of technologically at the moment. Right. So I, I think there are exciting things ahead. The thing is we need to start praying now that we'll be open to what God yeah. is saying, yeah. doing, and not uh -huh. just right. so 
Well, it's got to be, we have to go back the way it was. I don't think we should go back to the way it no. was. I think we need to look forward to the way God wants us to be in the future. And I think he's going to, re I know, I don't think, I know he's going to return us because obviously that happens in the millennium. He's going to return us to face to face. But with that, I think he's going to ask, especially the American believers to stop thinking structurally and start thinking evangelically. In other words, thinking about sense. the community. Yeah. Right. Being in the community versus asking the community to come to us. Mm -hmm. I may be way wrong. But I no, think that's that going to be a hallmark of the future. And, and we need to unpack that with God and and make sure we're hearing him right. But anyway, yep. that's only my my thought at this point. It makes sense, Mike. Absolutely. We okay. it, we get out of the four walls. You've always talked about that. And we've just been in them. But I just think Christians and even non-Christians will be appreciative of the church. Yeah. Well, I think if we take the opportunity to connect with the community and meet their felt needs and not tell them what they need, but meet what they think they need. Right, right. Establish relationships, not for the purpose of having a secret agenda, but for the, and, and, and you know, and I, you know, forgive me for going on about this, but I'll, I'll make this quick. I see that as a microcosm in the funerals that I do. It's a matter of coming into relationship with people you would not normally come in relationship with. Most of them either being nominal believers or not really believers. Mm -hmm. and, and, and being able to allow God, uh, God to work through me to touch them <coughs> and, and being Jesus with skin on if I could put it that way, not that I'm, you know, that's, that offends some people, but I think you guys understand what I'm saying. Yes. Here. Uh, we, we are, we are the face of Christ. We are the nature of Christ. We are the expression of the character of Christ to those we meet. And that can be good or bad, <laughs> you know, depending on the day we're having, I guess. But um, I, I see that rolled out in, in the way, the, the opportunities that funerals provide me, I don't go in and, and, you know, ask them the diagnostic questions and hit them over the head and, and tell them they have to repent yeah. and they're going to hell and you know, they better raise yeah. their hand by the yeah. end of the benediction or they're going to hell. I don't think that's what Jesus would do as I no. looked at his encounters with people. I think he just says, Hey, love them where they are as they are. And then let the Holy spirit, let my Holy spirit start doing the work, be intentional, but let the Holy spirit do the work and, and quit thinking that you have to put the notch in your gun or you have to have yeah. your strategy. That's better than mine. Uh, anyway, I'll stop there. Cause <laughs> I can't because all right. Any, uh, any, <laughs> no, 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 but I am hungry. And, okay. you know, <laughs> so, That's good all enough, right. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> any other final comments from anyone? John, I know you're muted there. Did, did you have anything? Nope. Okay. All right. Uh, Lee, you look very relaxed and there. Why don't <laughs> Let's have you uh, do our final <laughs> prayer today. <laughs> okay, sure. Father, thank you very much for this class. And, and Lord, I pray for all the people in this class. I pray for Anne. We pray for comfort and just joy for her and John and Lori mm -hmm. and uh, Raj and Brenda and also Janetta. And, Lord, thank you for Lori and Mike and their consistent um every week joining us in our home and father i just want to pray for our country and our new leadership and not with any kind of judgmental but with truly with love and we pray for unity 
and just every citizen. And we thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you've given us and go before us. And I also want to pray something in me wants to pray for Josh and Heather, Lord, just be mm. with them and comfort mm. them and, and give them discernment and wisdom and, and all our children and grandchildren. And father, just thank you for, for loving us and, and saving us and just being there for us. This I ask in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Okay. Thank I'm you. Go ahead and 